You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 218. Who cares with me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton of BleedingGreenNation.com. I am Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com. Brandon, how are you, friend? Jimmy, doing great. Coming off a fantastic Eagles win, dominant over the Carolina Panthers. No flaws (laughs) to talk about whatsoever. So very exciting podcast to get into. Before we jump into all the action here, James... I will tell you that I am not only Brandon Lee Gowton of BGN Radio, but also of the SB Nation NFL show and the NFC's mixtape, which you can find here on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed, also on the Blocking the Boys podcast feed. I just actually wrapped up that record with RJ not too long before we're doing this, so that's fun. Uh, but also, BGN Radio, which we are doing right now, brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Go to RighteousFelon.com. Use discount code BGN15. For 15% off the best snacks that you can get, the snacks that the Eagles had plenty of this week to get that amazing win over the Carolina Panthers, Jimmy. They finally ate their meat snacks. Good, so good for them. Uh, yeah, so we'll get to the Panthers in a second, but just so a quick bit of news. We're recording this on uh, Tuesday afternoon, almost 5 o'clock here, Eastern Standard Time. Dallas Goddard is going to be likely out uh, for this game against the Buccaneers coming up. Uh, he has test. I don't know if he's tested positive for COVID, but he's on the he COVID has. list. He has. Mike okay. Garofolo, and he also confirmed that he is vaccinated. He's vaccinated, which means that he needs to produce two negative COVID tests uh, with 24 hours in between each of them, while also showing, uh, while also uh, exhibiting no symptoms uh, for a duration of 48 straight hours. So the likelihood that he will be playing on Thursday is slim to none. Uh, we'll get to uh, sort of the ramifications of that uh, in the Eagles uh, Buccaneers matchups, uh, which will be in this segment number two, more than likely. But let's start in with Eagles Panthers, which, uh, in my opinion, I think they kind of temporarily uh, saved their season anyway, because mm. they had lost this game. They're one and four, and then you're probably staring one and five in the face uh, against the Buccaneers here. And then uh, I guess the Raiders game looks a little bit more winnable with the disaster that's going on. Uh, there with John Gruden. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're looking at, um, you know, putting, putting themselves in a huge hole had they uh, lost to this um, bad team, in my opinion. I don't think the Panthers are very good. Um, I think they're okay when they're at full strength, but they were missing Christian McCaffrey, of course, uh, in addition to five other starters. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was a depleted group and, uh, they looked bad for about the first 40 minutes, I'd say of this game, mm-hmm. uh, deep into the third quarter. And then they sort of woke up, uh, started playing really well, uh, really in all three phases. 
And uh, it wound up being like a, a, a decent win if you can sort of, you know, get those first 40 minutes uh, out of your mind. But uh, a crucial win for them in that they really needed it to kind of stay alive for, I don't think, you know, they're really playoff contenders, but uh, they needed this game to have sort of any glimmer of hope for, you know, a potential postseason berth. Got the win, and there is value in that, as you're saying. But as we know, Jimmy, this season, this 2021 season, more so than other seasons, like in, in a weird way, is not just about the wins and losses this year as much as it is evaluating the players here and especially mm-hmm. the big pieces like Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts. And that's my thing from this game. Uh, as I said, like I do winners, losers, I don't know uh, each week for winning your nation. My post-game coverage, like you do your awards. Mm-hmm. And I put Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts in that I don't know section, which okay. doesn't like, you know, so what did we really achieve <laughs> here? Uh, 88 yards, Jimmy, of offense in a first half of football. It's just like, I can't wrap my mind around this when scoring and moving the football has literally never been easier in NFL history than it is in today's modern era. And yeah. like, it's just like pulling teeth, even with a new coaching staff for the Eagles at times. It's just, it's inexplicable. The game plan obviously was game plan sucked. High, highly suspect. <laughs> yes. yes. Sucked. They're running screens and then, okay, it's not working. So what do they do? If they run some screens some more, you had the good meme of the <laughs> screenshot of Nick Sirianni yeah. posting or pointing to a, a note card that just said, Screen, screen, screen on it over and over. That was really good Thank by you. you. But, uh, I mean, it was true. That was really what was going on. So pretty frustrating to go through a half like that. Now, obviously, they came through when it mattered. Uh, Jalen Hurts stepped up at the end. But, like, man, uh, I just – I think you look at this matchup and we can talk about how the Eagles maybe did some things that – you're encouraged by in terms of like the defense playing well, but like mm-hmm. the resiliency, stance. the persistence, if you will, uh, all that of sort of hanging in there and playing well, or no, excuse me, playing hard anyway, through the entirety of the game. I don't think we saw that, um, throughout the 2020 season. Like I think this, this Eagles team played really hard for Doug Peterson and, uh, from 2016 to 2019. Like they, they fought their asses off throughout the entirety of games. And then we sort of saw that, um, you know, not happen as much in 2020. So at least they're back to playing hard again uh, throughout the entirety of the game. And I like there there are certain moments of of the of this this Panthers game where I mean they look dead in the water. And um, you know, they eventually you mentioned like the, the how many yards of offense did they have? Did you say in the first half? 88 in the first so half. It, there was one point it, late in the first half where Jalen Hurts had uh, he was and this wasn't his fault necessarily. I thought it was more on the game plan and the screen, 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 screen. But um, he was 12 of 20 for 35 yards, which like, I don't know how that's even possible really to, to complete 12 passes and have 35 yards of offense uh, on 20 attempts. But they did it. And it's because they just kept running, running these screens over and over and over again. And Jalen Hurts missed uh, a lot of throws in this game that uh, I thought were very makeable. Uh, eventually, you know, he did make some some nice throws, uh, made some plays with his legs and um you know, credit to him. Like I thought the two point conversion play, um, that put them up by three late in the game was one of maybe his best play as, as a professional quarterback. Like there was, it was a bad snap. He one handed it, like had immediate pressure in his face from Hassan Reddick. Um, nobody blocked him. And like Reddick didn't hesitate for a second. He just like beelined right to Hertz. Hertz got away from him. Uh, while he's on the run to his right, he locates, 
uh, Devontae Smith in the back of the end zone and fires an on-target pass to him, which, you know, they wound up not mattering because the Panthers weren't able to uh, tie the score later with a field goal. Anyway, I guess, like if you want to look at it that way, but uh, that was a big play at the time. And uh, again, like I said, I thought that was the best play of his career. And I think that's kind of like what we saw uh, from Jalen Hurts all throughout training camp was, you know, he made some plays that, you know, other quarterbacks in the league just aren't able to make because they don't have his elusiveness. Uh, but at the same time, he misses plays that you would expect every quarterback in the NFL to make pretty easily. So you can't, like, I think until he becomes more consistent, you just kind of have to live with what he is, um, which is a player, again, who is going to make the occasional spectacular play, but um, is going to frustrate you because he's leaving a lot of easier plays on the field. It's really frustrating, uh, as it is to discuss about basically any quarterback ever when there is a gray area and it's not mm, yes. cut and dry. Like Patrick Mahomes is really good, and it's that simple. Um, I can't help but feel like people are talking themselves into Jalen Hurts a little too much, Jimmy. And I think there are definitely things to like about Jalen Hurts. I like Jalen Hurts. I said before the draft that I liked him as a prospect. I didn't want the Eagles to take him, or they did at 53, obviously, to be clear. But like, I liked him. I thought people were actually kind of a little too low on him, just when you look at his track record. I think people coming into the draft were like, you know, oh, we got benched, and we're weighing that too much mm-hmm. as opposed to what he did at Oklahoma and kind of the growth he had showed and everything and the value of his mobility. But I just don't know about the ceiling with him. Like, I'm, I'm just not seeing it. I think... The way I phrased it during the game is that I think he struggles in a way that is not as apparently visible as other quarterbacks who I just talked about this RJ in the mixtape, but like, you know, Nathan Peterman, for example, is throwing like pick after pick. Some of these guys are making like glaringly obvious mistakes that are just like, oh, this guy is bad. But I think with Jalen Hurts, his struggles are defined by the plays he's not making. So for example, PFF actually had Jalen Hurts as the Eagles highest graded player on offense from that game, which is just insanity. Like, (laughs) I just don't know how you could come to that conclusion. Um, but I think from the standpoint of like, he didn't do a whole lot to kill the team. Yeah. It's kind of where he benefits there. Although the, the Zach Hurts interception was just terrible where he just overthrows him down the sideline. That's a big play turned yeah. into a play for the defense. Um, so I just really wonder about the ceiling with Jalen Hurts. I know people are like, Oh, he's young and you got to give him time and everything. But I just like how much better. Is he realistically going to get like, and I just, and again, I look at Justin Herbert and Josh Allen and some of these, you know, top quarterbacks in the NFL. And I look at Jalen Hurts and who he's beaten thus far. And I know it's not as simple as like a quarterback facing a quarterback, like especially in a shorter sample size, but I really need to see him like do more against, like I need to see him go out and beat an elite quarterback. So far he's beaten Taysom Hill, a 36 year old Matt Ryan, who kind of looks like he's at the end of his rope. And he beat Sam Darnold, who I think stinks. And I said that before the game. This isn't like revisionism here from me. And I took the Eagles to beat the Panthers, in part because I think Darnold isn't that great. And the matchup worked in the Eagles' favor in terms of the Eagles had a have a defensive line that can take advantage of a not-so-good Carolina Panthers offensive line. And as you mentioned, McCaffrey not being there either. So, um, yeah, I'm just – I'm not sold on Hurts, man. I, I like him for what he is, for what the Eagles drafted him to be, like a good backup. Again, not in favor of where the resources and everything, but like for for that kind of player, like a low-tier starter. But I, I just don't think you're contending for a championship with him. But, you know, this is week five. We don't have to come to that conclusion just now. But that's that's where I am if you're asking for a temperature check, which you didn't. But I give you one anyway. <laughs> well, we were going to get to that anyway, but on the, on the, uh, young point, he, he's, I want to, um, I forget who made this point. 
Uh, I want to say it was a friend of the pod, uh, Noah Becker, but I'm, I could be wrong on that. But um, I had seen somewhere that someone made the point that he's sort of like, uh, they didn't use this phrasing, but an old young. And that like, you know, he played some high level football in college. Like he played for Alabama uh, a few years there, played in, you know, one of the most desirable schemes in the country uh, under Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma, um, you know, came in his rookie year had to replace the franchise quarterback, you know, with, with five games left in the season, um, and, you know, in a pressure situation, pressure to perform anyway, type of situation. And then, you know, he comes in and, um, is sort of competing against the unknown, uh, throughout training camp this year. And, you know, he, he's starting a few games, uh, already so far this year. So, um, I think he's not like your, your typical, um, you know, really young quarterback in this league in that I think the experience that he has being in the spotlight as much as he's been uh, throughout his college and, and professional career so far um, kind of gives him a little bit more. Exp- he feels like, a, an, a, like I said, an older kind of uh, young quarterback. Uh, an old his, soul, an, an old, as Jordan Mailata would say. Okay, fair enough. Um, but yeah, so uh, up and down in this game, um, let's get to the positive. So um, I thought that the defensive line showed out for the first time since week one. And, you know, obviously J- Javon Hargrave has had a phenomenal season, in my opinion. Like, he continues to play this way. He's going to be a lock, like first team all pro. Um, the secondary finally showed up. Not just pro bowl, all pro. Like, all pro. Significant, yeah, all, significant all, distinction there. No, I'm just saying, oh, like, yeah, okay. for the, like, just to, to, like, stop down that for a second, like, that's significant. It's like, there's a big, there's a big difference between Pro Bowl and All yes. Pro. Yeah. First team All Pro. Like, he, he, along with Aaron Donald are, are the two best defensive tackles in the NFL right now. Yep. Argrave, clearly the best player on the Eagles roster right now. Um, secondary finally made some plays. Uh, we haven't seen much of that so far this year. Darius Slay has two picks. Uh, Steve Nelson, uh, grabs a third pick and, uh, you know, the, the huge turning points in, in, in the game on those plays. But uh, back to the defensive line for a second, like Hargrave has been awesome. But beyond that, I mean, we've talked a lot about, and I really think like Eagles fans in general have talked a lot about, you know, where's Fletcher Cox? And I think Fletcher Cox um, probably had, a, not probably, had his best game of the season. Yeah. Um, he got his first sack of the year, but was disruptive otherwise as well. Derek Barnett, um, you know, he didn't have any sacks, but I thought he got decent pressure all day. One play in particular, like he got hurt on the play and he kept going. He wound up getting a QB hit. So he had a couple QB hits in that game. Josh Sweat had had a sack. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan forced a a holding call. So it was the first time that we saw the defensive line play as a group. Now, the Panthers offensive line might be one of the worst Mm -hmm. in the NFL. So you factor that in. But, um, you know, kudos to to that group for for finally putting together a cohesive, uh, uh, you know, good performance as opposed to, again, just one guy making all the plays. Absolutely deserve credit for that. Now, again, at the same time, like it's all about putting it in context and just like the Eagles offense having an explosion last week against the Chiefs who have like clearly the worst yeah. defense in the mm-hmm. NFL. Yes. Like that needs to be accounted for. Like I think some people viewed that as a turning point for the offense and it clearly wasn't because it didn't carry over this <laughs> right. week in Carolina. And that's where I'm kind of at with the defensive line after this performance. Like, yeah, let's see. I don't again. think it's, yeah. I mean, like, it can, they can be a turning point, but like, I'm not assuming it is until we, you know, see more out of them. But this is also why I think we're criticizing Fletcher Cox so heavily and why. Same thing with Darius Slay. 
to an extent of like not making big plays until prior to this game. Like you need your elite players, your stars to make these kind of plays. And when they do, you win a football game. Like that's the point of this all. Like it wasn't, I don't want this to be like, Oh, you guys are being too hard on them. I don't think we were. I think we were being exactly, I think we had it spot on. It's like they need to step up and deliver and be the key player you need. This isn't rocket science. You need your best players to be playing like your best players. And if they're not, you're going to lose football games. So, uh, definitely think the defense deserves a lot of credit for showing out. Again, offensive line wasn't great. Darnold also is just isn't great. Not just in terms of making decisions, throwing the ball and everything, but he's not one of the quickest quarterbacks in the league to get the ball out. And I also think he's a very rattleable. If that's not, okay. if that's a word, which it's not, but like he can get rattled. He, there's the whole seeing ghosts moment, obviously, from his career when he was with the Jets. Like I think when he gets pressured, he kind of starts to fade. And I think we saw some of that in this game, but it's kind of the theme as a whole, Jimmy. Like this game, you won it. It wasn't pretty. It's about can you build on this game? Like if you can build on this game, then the win has meaning. But if you don't and it was just like a one off, then I just, it doesn't matter. Like who cares if they can't build on this? So, uh, back to the defensive line and the secondary, uh, points credit also Jonathan Gannon, who, um, sure. I th- I thought he put his players and their, the skill sets of his players to better use, uh, in this game. I haven't looked, I haven't gone back and rewatched, uh, the, the coaches film to see like how Fletcher Cox was used, but just, uh, anecdotally, as I was watching the game, it felt like he was playing mostly just three tech where, uh, he vocalized, I mean, it took mm. a little goading from, from the Eagles media, but he did eventually vocalize that um, he didn't seem happy with, uh, you know, moving from position to position uh, in, in his mind, going from three tech to playing four I and switching sides and whatnot. Um, like it didn't allow him to sort of get into a rhythm. Um, I, you know, you and I sort of agreed that, you know, just play <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and, you know, you, you should be able to, to perform playing a lot of different uh, spots and, you know, however your defensive coordinator wants you to play should be productive regardless. Uh, but it seemed like Jonathan Gannon um, heard the criticisms and, you know, adjusted and put Fletcher Cox in a better position uh, to, to make plays. And then uh, for the first time this year, he had Darius Slay follow the opposing offense's best receiver. And he not only had two picks, but held DJ Moore to five catches for, I don't remember the exact number, but 47 yards, something 40 something yards uh, in that game. DJ Moore is, in my opinion, an awesome wide receiver. And he did a great job on him all day. Steven Nelson followed Robbie Anderson all day for the most part. Um, and, you know, I think they did a great job of, of shutting those two receivers down. They played a lot more man in this game than they have in any other game so far this year. So uh, nice, nice job by, by Gannon to uh, not just stubbornly stick to a defense that got absolutely shredded two weeks in a row against the Cowboys and Chiefs, made some adjustments. Now, the Panthers obviously are not the Cowboys or the Chiefs, but, you know, they're not like a terrible offense. Like, they they do have weapons uh, in their passing game, notably Moore and Anderson. So, um, you know, nice job by, by him adjusting and putting his players in a better position to succeed. If you look at the splits here, Jimmy, talking about Jonathan Gannon and the Seagulls defense, so again, same Darnold, Matt Ryan, and Jimmy G. The Eagles have allowed 13.7 points per game and just 277.7 yards. Now, when you look at when they faced <laughs> Dak Prescott and Patrick Mahomes, 41.5 points per game and 425.5 yards per game. So, and they got a pretty good offense great. coming up on Thursday. Yeah. Night. So, not the best indicator necessarily against a Tom Brady who is still throwing 
five touchdowns and having like the third or whatever for top five passer rating in the league. And it's actually PFF's like number one overall graded quarterback. Um, but we're not there yet. We're still on the Panthers team. Jimmy, you wrote down here that you were encouraged from what you saw from the youngest coordinator in the NFL, Michael Clay, the Eagles special teams coordinator. Yep. And the block punt was obviously big, but you have to look at Aaron Sipos had a really good punt in that game that, you know, bounced. I'm sure you were fired up about that, Jimmy. Now he did have the shank, but the one he, uh, you know, bounced, uh, or that bounced and landed at the five yard line. That was really good. That was like, mm-hmm. what, like a 64? Well, there wasn't 60. a shank. Uh, Michael Clay cleared that up. Like, I mean, they got pressure on that punt. He said that was sure. Sipos's fault. That was the, that was the protection team and his schemes fault for giving. So that was really the one special teams okay. miscue of the day. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the special teams had a great day, obviously, on, on Sunday. And Mr. Jalen Raker, his miscue, <laughs> miscues, I would say. It's just the one that was really bad. Um, uh, but, yeah, the, the punt block um, credit Sean Bradley, in my opinion, more so than TJ Edwards on that play because uh, Bradley had sort of a difficult assignment uh, on that rush where he had to get enough of the long snapper. You're not allowed to really hit the long snapper. Like they, they made that penalty a little while back. So he had to just kind of brush up against him sort of, but do enough to occupy him so that he wouldn't be able to get over and block the second guy coming in on the rush behind him. Uh, so he did a good job on the, on the first part of, of his punt block rush. And then he was able to occupy the, uh, the personal protector or the up back, whatever you want to call them. And that left a pretty much a free run for uh, TJ right up the middle. And uh, as Clay said um, today during his uh, press conference, like he was almost worried that he was going to overrun him. <laughs> like he actually, he blocked it with his, like his bicep as opposed to, you know, yeah. with his hands or whatever. And a um, uh, little coaching note for Bradley. If the ball is like bouncing around after any kind of block punt, kick, whatever, Mm-hmm. Scoop and score, man. He like, admitted it. He admitted <laughs> it. Oh, did he? He did that. It yeah, on Twitter. It, it doesn't yeah. matter if the uh, punt team or the kick team or whatever, if they recover, unless they mm-hmm. advance it for a first down, which in that case, it was that like that wasn't going to happen. But yeah, or scoop and score. Don't, again don't, and don't just, don't just lay down on the football. Uh, you, you know, you can, you can be a little more aggressive in those situations. But, uh, the other thing that we should probably note too is Jake Elliott. Jake Elliott yeah. had, uh, his worst season as a pro in 2020 and uh so far he's been very good as any i think he's eight of nine so far this year on uh field goals on he hasn't missed any pats yet right um, and the only missed kick he had was uh javon javon kinlaw um oh, blocking. Block, yeah, yeah so it wasn't right. even like necessarily you know he, it was he low it. it was a okay. low kick so maybe he could have gotten a little more height or still yeah, Peter, peterson would say height, height on his yeah. kick um but yeah i mean that the 58 yard field goal heading into the half is i mean that's a huge boost for them after what was really a terrible, obviously, as we've noted, like a terrible first half and, you know, maybe gave them some juice uh, into the, into the, into, you know, into, into the locker room. But 58 yard kick is the third longest yeah. field goal in Eagles history. He obviously yep. has the longest one, the 61 yarder against the giants during their Super Bowl year. The barefooted Tony Franklin, I forget what his distance was 59, I think. And yeah. then 58 by Jake on, on Sunday. So, um, yeah, credit him for, he had a good training camp. Jake Elliott did, but, uh, credit him for, for having what is so far, uh, a bounce back season for him. Yeah. So defense and special teams really came through a big reason why the Eagles were able to win a game that was ugly. Otherwise, uh, I mentioned Rager before. I guess I, I should touch on that real quick. Okay. I mean, Jimmy, what are we doing? What are we doing here with Jalen Rager? It was the first game that Jalen Rager actually played fewer snaps than, 
Quest Watkins, which hopefully continues to be a I thing going will. forward. I, I, you think it will? You said? I think it will. Yeah. I think yeah, Quest I mean, it has to. to get more snaps. Yeah. It has to. You're not playing your best players if you're playing Jalen Rager more. And Quest, than Quest keeps making big plays when, when he's yeah. on the field. So, what, and, and Rager's, so I think there's a distinction between a player who's struggling, like who doesn't help the team at all and is invisible, kind of like JJ, I think Whiteside has mm-hmm. in the past. And there's, and someone like Nelson Aguilar at his worst when he's out there and he's just like making devastating plays. <laughs> right, They're like right. actively, actively making killing the team you, worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Rager's that kind of player. Like, I don't think it was talked about enough how his decision to run it out of the end zone the second time, three yards deep in the end zone and only get to the 16 was killer because then they have that fumble. Jason Kelsey snaps it too high. Yeah. And it's very almost, I mean, the Eagles are incredibly lucky that was not recovered for a touchdown. I mean, <laughs> yes. the ball is right there and Jalen Hurts is not jumping on it, which is a whole other thing. Um, like in that play, the ball is not in the end zone on that play. If that's a touchback and you're at the 25 instead of the 16. Yeah. So like, you know, that was really damaging. Rager just, he can, and then obviously I'm sure everyone saw too the, and which has been an issue dating back to TCU, the lack of effort, focus, whatever you want to call it. Just, you know, the Eagles run a screenplay to Quez Watkins and Rager just gets lit, lit up by AJ Bouye. The play is dead. Like, and it, it didn't look like he wanted anything of that block. Um, like, I, I just, I can't do it, man. Like, he cannot be on the field. Like, take him off the, f- I'm not saying never play him at all, but like, he cannot be. So I think this season, I think he's like fourth or something in total offensive snaps on the team. Like, what are we doing? Well, like you mentioned, the quest to get more snaps than him in this game. So, right. you know, that, you know, ideally that'll continue, um, in week six and beyond. Uh, but I think they're starting to recognize like Quez Watkins is a better football player right now than Jalen Rager yeah. and Quez Watkins <laughs> 53 yard bomb leads to, you know, their, their first touchdown of the game, huge play got wide open deep down the field. It was actually a little bit underthrown, but he'd gotten so much separation that it didn't matter. He caught the ball anyway, maybe it cost him a touchdown. Uh, if, if that, if the ball is a little bit more on target, but Quez Hurts Watkins got drilled just, as he threw just, on that to be uh, fair. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying it was a bad throw or anything like yeah. that. Um, but, uh, Watkins has, he's just continued to make huge plays and like the, the number of catches that he's had, uh, versus targets is, is, you know, high, um, especially for a guy who's made a lot of plays down the field and, uh, more of them, let's see more of them and not only like give him more snaps, but throw him the ball more him and yeah. Devontae. Like, I don't think him or Devontae yes. are getting enough targets. So, you know, I think, uh, I don't know if it's hurts or if it's this game plan or the scheme or whatever it is. But start targeting those guys a little bit more down the field because they're capable of getting open and they're capable of catching the ball and making plays. Hundred percent, force feed them. You have to do it. Like that's so. That's the disappointing thing. We got it. While we're at it too, like your three best players should be getting targeted more than they are. When Goddard is actually available, yeah. Yes. Um, Rager had more targets than and he had five than Watkins only three. Like even though Watkins yeah, played more, a lot like, of that because of the screen game, I guess, right? Yeah, but like stop, just run the screen <laughs> yeah. screen there. To, to I'm not saying like, it's good, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, I think that puts a bow. And any final thoughts on the Panthers scheme? Uh, I guess we kind of did the, the the temperature check. In, well, yeah, Jalen but how Hurts. do you feel about it? Uh, yeah. I feel, well, I mean, it's five down, twelve to go. Um, but like I thought that that game, it's uh, kind of tough to so like if we're looking at it like from like a, a stock up stock down perspective on like his likelihood of becoming the franchise quarterback in 2022 and beyond, I think it was kind of neutral because um, on the one hand, like he played poorly for the majority of that game 
On the other hand, he was clutch, like when it mattered. And I think this team clearly has rallied around him as their leader. And that means something. So, um, you know, I, I would say that this game was just kind of like, uh, on to the next. <laughs> like, let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's see what he, what, what he does in the next one. All right. Well, before we take a break, Jimmy, righteous felon, craft jerky, BGN radios, one of BGN radios, two sponsors. Uh, wants you to know that you can go to rightsofselling.com and use discount code BGN15 for 15% off the best snacks that you can get. Jimmy, it is football. We're in the meat of football season, no pun intended. And you need some snacks to eat. Why not get some from Righteous Felon Craft Jerky? It's not just jerky that they have there. They also have the built tongue, which is really good. They also have some non-meat snacks. You can check it all out at Righteous felon.com and hey jimmy i'm turning 30 next week if you want to get me a birthday oh, yeah? gift get a gift for yourself and go to right to selling.com you are old as hell look at you i know it's great jimmy when you first when we first met i was 21 mm. like how did this happen how are we here this is wild all right i guess that would have made me uh 35 then which feels like wow. a long time ago yeah here we are, Memories. reminiscing That's right. about how old we are. <laughs> All right, Jimmy, why don't you send us to break? All right, uh, back after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Back here on BGN Radio 218. I've stopped saying the number because it doesn't matter, but I just said it that time. Jimmy, we're back after a long break where we relaxed and it was awesome. <laughs> uh, but honestly, we don't have a lot of time for that. So maybe we shouldn't have done that because the Eagles play the Buccaneers in about 48 hours almost. Yep. Not quite, but about from when we're recording hours. this. Yeah, yeah 50, close enough. 50, 50, um, you and I will be at the link probably in about 48 hours. So Eagles, big game against the reigning Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bucks are coming off this big blowout win over the Dolphins, which you actually took the Dolphins to cover that game. You fool. Oh, did I? Uh, Tom, yeah, Tom Brady yeah, is looking amazing. Again, five touchdowns. Doesn't matter that he's 44. Doesn't matter that he's dealing with this thumb injury that he's apparently not going to be hampered by, or at least he's going to be playing. Um, where do you start when you look at this Bucks team? They're loaded on offense, and um, you know they have the best player in, in the history of the NFL at quarterback. Um, they have, in my opinion, the best wide receiver trio in the NFL, and they're not only good, but they complement each other really well with their skill sets. So you have, yeah. you know, Mike Evans, who's six five. You know, he's got speed. He makes plays down the field, but he does it with 
um, with his size and he makes a lot of contested catches, um, you know, either deep down the field or near the sticks whenever they need it. Um, Antonio Brown is one of the best route runners in the history of the NFL. And, you know, he's an, he's an older sort of savvy vet, but still obviously a very good player. Um, maybe not the best guy in the world, but it can still, you know, can, can still get open and get separation because of his route running. And, and I mean, he, he's just kind of a, like a do it all kind of guy. And then a guy that I really like in Chris Godwin, who is more of a possession type receiver, but um, he's tough. He will catch balls all day over the middle of the field. And he's great after the catch. Like he's, he's, I think he's got uh, like around 200 uh, yards after the catch uh, this season alone. So uh, yeah, those three guys and their skill sets really kind of uh, complement each other well. And then we'll see if uh, Gronk can play or not. I doubt that he's going to be good to go for this game. But beyond the receivers too, like Tom Brady has, you know, he's got those those three guys to throw to, but he's also got a really good offensive line in front of him. He's, like the, the tackles are good. Donovan Smith is probably having his best uh, season as a pro at left tackle. Tristan Wirfs, who they took uh, with a high pick in the first round uh, a year ago, he had a good rookie season and is having a good second year as well. And then they have like three sort of like, um, um, we'll call them like scrappers uh, in the interior of their line, all from like, um, you know, small schools. Uh, Alex Kappa at right guard from, see the guy from Humboldt? No, yeah, D3. from Humboldt State. Uh, Ryan Jensen uh, from Colorado State Pueblo. Maybe the biggest a-hole in the, the NFL. Oh, yeah, I, I did see that. practice on Monday. I don't know who their backup would be at center if so. But uh, I, I've, I'm sure if you've watched Buccaneers games enough, you've seen him mixing it up with uh, opposing players. Uh Maybe a little dirty, certainly a guy that can get under the skin of uh, opposing defenses. And then you have uh, Ali Marpet. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly or not, but he was like sort of the star of the Senior Bowl one year when uh, Dan Klausner and I were there uh, from from Hobart College in New York. So you have these three guys. They're really good run blockers. Uh, They are maybe a little bit susceptible uh, to, to the pass rush. And if the Eagles are going to beat Tampa, then they're going to have to get you know stellar performances from uh, Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave in this game because Tom Brady is awesome at moving. Like he's not um, super mobile. Obviously, he's not going to win any uh, races, foot races against a lot of people. But he's really savvy in the pocket. He moves around. He feels the pass rush and he makes subtle movements within the pocket. And he's hard to sack. He's he's hard to get a hold of. And uh, edge rushers are less effective against him for that reason. But if you can get pressure up the middle right in his face, then that's when you can affect him. And if the, again, like I said, if the Eagles have any chance of slowing this offense down, they're going to have to get pressure up the middle from Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. Brady's just not making mistakes, which (laughs) is a Tom Brady thing to do in in the first place. But he's two interceptions this year. They both came in week one. I'm sure a lot of us saw them. One was on a, uh, pass to Leonard Fournette, like a screen pass or a short pass. And right. It was, it was he just tipped it. up in yeah. the air. Yeah. And then the other one was a Hail Mary throw. So, you know, it's like, who cares? Just taking <laughs> right. a shot into the end zone. So but outside of that, like no picks. So pretty tough. And I mentioned the splits earlier of the Eagles going up against these better quarterbacks. Like, and I think that's definitely been a theme in terms of the, the quarterbacks the Eagles have done better against. Like Jimmy G left a ton of plays on the field yes. in week two. And Sam Darnold last week left a bunch of plays on the field. Um, 
Tom Brady's not going to be leaving plays on the field right. unless he's trying to catch the ball and he's going to drop it, obviously, like he did in the Super Bowl when the Eagles beat him in that game. So, uh, but I don't think the Eagles or, or the Bucks are going to break that out this time. So, yeah, it's, it's, like, I don't know. I don't know what this defense does. Like, you, you just outlined it, but that's easier said than done. I think it's, it's hard to have confidence that they're definitely going to do that because they need to do it against better competition and not just like some weak Carolina Panthers offensive line that's banged up. Um, so it's going to be tough and we'll see if, like this is a big game in terms of like even if the Eagles don't win this, but if like the defense can kind of be more respectable, that would be like a big positive. You know, if you can like limit the Bucks to like like low twenties or whatever, like that would be good to see out of Jonathan Gannon. Like, okay, maybe he's changed some things around, maybe forces a turnover or two. Um, but otherwise it's it's hard not to look at what this defense has done against the better quarterbacks and just like imagine that the Eagles are gonna have answers for this. So the one thing that he talked about, Gannon, that is, uh, prior to the Chiefs game was that they have to defend, quote unquote, every blade of grass because they can make plays uh, anywhere on the field, horizontally, vertically, et cetera. And the, the, Buc- the Buccaneers are the same way. Like, I think the perception by some people of Tom Brady is that, you know, he's just he's getting the ball out quickly and it's just a sort of a rapid fire offense. He's hitting he's hitting reads quickly and um, finding the open guy quickly and they march down the field. But that's not totally true. Can he beat you that way? One hundred percent. Yeah, of course he can. Uh, but like the, the Buccaneers lead the NFL in pass plays of of uh, twenty plus yards. They have twenty eight of them uh, so far this year. They're only like a small handful of teams that even have twenty uh, plays of, of twenty plus yards. And like I said, those three guys, uh, the three receivers that that they have, all are capable of making plays down the field. So um, you know they can beat you any any number of different ways. If Jonathan Gannon just sits back in that soft shell zone like he nope. did against the Chiefs and against the Cowboys, then, yeah, Tom Brady's just going to pick them apart underneath in the short to intermediate zones all day, and they're just going to march down the field, and they're going to score touchdowns. So it's kind of pick your poison on, on how they're going to play, but they can't replicate those game plans that they had against the, the Cowboys and the Chiefs yeah. because we are we already know what what, what the what the uh, the end of that story is going to be. It's going to be a lot of points on the board for the Buccaneers, so it'll be interesting. I don't know what the game plan is for, you know, this – or, you know, I don't know what I, what I would do, but I'd be more aggressive and trying to attack uh, Tom Brady, and um, you know I'd mix in some blitzes, whatever you got to do. But I would not just sit back and let Tom Brady figure out how to dissect my defense. I'd be a little more proactive and trying to take the action to him and try to make some plays, put him in some long downs and distances and such. Uh, but because, as you said, like if you just let him sit back and um, he's just going to pick you apart and he's not going to make mistakes. Yeah, this is really high-level football analysis here, Jimmy. But I think you need your star players to be star players. I don't think you're, yes. you're not out scheming Tom Brady. Like you need Darius Slay to kind of make some like a crazy pick or two. You need Fletcher Cox to you know have like a vintage Fletcher Cox moment. Yes. Javon Hargrave has been awesome. He needs to even have like his highest game, like his best game yet, even like raising the bar from what he's done so far. Like you need all of that. And even when you get that, like you know, you're not shutting the Bucks out, but like okay, you're making the game within reach for the offense. Really, I think the reality is like. The defense is going to just have to kind of uh, – the defense can't win the game for the Eagles. That's just not going to happen. Like, I just don't think that's the recipe for victory. Like, the defense has to be respectable. Like, you're hoping that that can happen. The offense is the, the side of the ball that has to carry the team in this game. Like, the Bucks' defense kind of flipping it around, they're gettable. They're not uh, quite the defense – 
that they were, I think, last year in terms of like one of the very best in the NFL. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, Todd Bowles is a defensive coordinator. They have a pass rush. But that secondary, like, there's a reason they signed Richard Sherman. And they have some injuries there. Yeah. And we don't know for sure if Antoine Winfield will play. Um, he's dealing with a concussion. has to be cleared. We'll see about that. Um, but one thing this Bucks defense really is good at, Jimmy, is stopping the run. Yes. They actually rank tops in the NFL in terms of 2.9 yards per rush attempt mm-hmm. allowed. So... Philly fans going to the game on Thursday night. We don't need another run the ball chant like <laughs> at the link because no, you don't beat the Bucks probably by running the ball. I mean, you know, mix it in there. Don't do it literally never like Nick Sirianni seems to be doing, but like you're just not going to win the game that way. I think you need Jalen Hurts to step up in a big spot and take advantage of a secondary that can be got in some respects. So, uh, I think it's really the onus is on the offense in this game. They had those two uh, defensive tackles with uh, the three-letter last names in Vita Vea, Vita Vea, Vea, and uh, Via. and Dominican and Sue. Um, yeah. I mean, they're just beasts on the interior there. Um, and then, of especially course, against Kelsey too, like a smaller center. Sorry to cut you off, but like no, you know, and, I always, and, and Driscoll for that matter. For that matter, yeah. This game. Yeah, I think about like the Eddie Goldman matchup that gave Jason Kelsey trouble, yep. like once upon a time, and just because he's just so much bigger than him. So that's a something to watch. And then their linebackers patrolling behind them in uh, Levante David's going to be out, mm. uh, but um, of course um, Devin um, White. Devin White, uh, you know, obviously like became a star player at the end of the year last year. And and their and their defensive ends are I think are an, another challenge uh, for the Eagles offensive tackles who are continuing sort of on a uh, <laughs> just kind of figure it out as we go kind of mode. Dillard Andre Dillard's played three games, started three games, and has been in my opinion like one of the most pleasant surprises so far of this Eagles season. Like we'll sure. see how he holds up against a, a pass rusher that is capable of just running through him as opposed to, you know, some of these speed rushers that, that he's had matchups against so far, but so far so good with the way that he's played so far, he has uh, wildly exceeded any expectations that I would have had uh, for him starting three games so far. Jordan Mailata, of course, moved over from left tackle to right tackle. Um, I don't think the two sacks that he gave up were any sort of like, um, you know, uh, I don't think it was a, a result of him playing on the right side. Like the the first sack that he gave up, I mean, it was just kind of like a play. Like he didn't get toasted on that play or anything like that. And then the second one, it seemed like um, uh, Hassan Raddick had a jump on the snap or this or this, it was snapped early. But Jordan Mailata was not ready uh, for the snap on like he was clearly like a, a, a beat or two slow uh, on that play. And that's why he gave up that, you know, second sack on two consecutive plays. Uh, but he moves over to right tackle and the the Bucks defensive ends in this game are Jordan, P, uh, excuse me, uh, Jason Pierre Paul, uh, who was, you know, once upon a time compared with Brandon Graham uh, way back in the day. Uh, he has had, uh, he has averaged 10, uh, at least 10 sacks or he's averaged 10 sacks in the three years that he has been per season that he's been with the Buccaneers. They have uh, a rookie, Joe Tryon, Shoyanka, uh, uh, who has two sacks so far as highly thought of prospect uh, coming out of Washington, if I recall correctly. And then they have uh, Shaquille Barrett who led the league in sacks in uh, 2019 with 19 and a half of them. He had eight last year, uh, turned it on really big time in the playoffs. I think he had four sacks uh, during their playoff run, had a big game in the Super Bowl. We all saw the Super Bowl. Like they won that game because of their pass rush, so mm-hmm. it's another big challenge uh, for this 
you know, makeshift uh, Eagles offensive line. So as you mentioned, like this defense can be had, like it's not on the same level as their offense, but they can also make plays in their own right. Yeah, it's a big challenge for the tackles. And let's give credit absolutely to Andre Dillard. Now, exceeding expectations is all relative and expectations were literally could not be lower coming off a of training camp. And also like, it's hard for me to just like, I, I just, I can't, it's so hard for me to buy it because like, I don't understand how Andre Dillard can get pancaked multiple times by a guy named Jeremiah Valo, Lo, Valo, Valo, I can't even say his last name, who isn't even on an NFL practice squad right now and just gets destroyed all summer long. And then actually, no, he's, he's, he's good. Like that's just hard for me to totally reconcile. <laughs> it's not just about like taking an L and being wrong. It's just like, I don't, I like, how am I supposed to process this? Like, this doesn't make sense. So, uh, we'll see. How, but I mean, obviously he's played, I don't, and I don't think he's been like an all pro to be clear. Like, you know, like I think he's been fine. I think he's been good, but like, I don't, you know, I don't think he's like, he hasn't stood going, out, but he hasn't allowed any sacks as far, as, to I, pro as, far as I know. Right. Yeah, and I think you're seeing that with again some favorable he's matchups. Few, he's done some penalties of, and stuff like that, but yeah. but he's played. I mean, he's like I said, he's just wildly exceeded any. I mean, my sure. expectations were couldn't have, couldn't possibly be lower for him, but he's wildly exceeded those. I would just hold off and saying like, oh, well, now he's definitely the future left tackle <laughs> now, and you can just certainly move Jordan Mailata to right tackle. I mean, maybe, and that would be ideal in a way. You got to start thinking about it a little bit if he continues to play the way that he's playing. No, I, I agree, but I'm saying it's not like a definite. But yeah. right, like we even reached that point where I, oh, you just you know, put that in stone. Um, people don't do that. People don't actually write things in stone, do they? I mean, like, uh, like a, I never have a gravestone. Like what am I thinking of? The thing on your grave, uh, tomb, your like a tombstone. tombstone. Yeah. Yeah. But like, uh, that wouldn't be good. Um, so, and also be a weird <laughs> thing to put on a tombstone. Like Andre Dillard is the starting left tackle. <laughs> yeah. Here lies <laughs> someone. Um, uh, that was dark. Uh, so Jordan Mailata. Yeah. I think the other, it's, it's a tough ass for him too. playing out of position. Like he's played right tackle before, but it's been a while. I mean, mm-hmm. he did some of it last year, but extensively he was more so back in the preseason in 2019. And he has a injury still too, that he's still on the injury report with. He's, you know, Full practice able to, today though, which is, which is encouraging. Sure. But he has that brace on his leg. Like he's, you're playing out of position and you're playing injured. So that's just, yeah. it's not the easiest ass. So that's a big, you know, we'll see how that goes against this Bucks pass rush. But yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say like the Eagles should absolutely light them up the same way they should be expected to against the Chiefs. But, like, again, to me, like, the offense has to deliver. The, the game, This game is on the offense. This game, to me, is not about the, – the defense is going to give up points. That's just the reality of it. Like, the offense has to come up and, like, win a shootout and deliver. Like, I think that's that's the way they win, if they win at all. The weak, uh, the weakness of the Bucks defense, by the way, I should note, we already mentioned that um, Levante David's going to be out. But uh, just to go through the, the their injuries at cornerback – Carlton Davis and um, uh, Murphy Bunting are both on IR. So they went out and they signed Richard Sherman, uh, who, in my opinion, is the weak link of that defense. They signed him. He's actually played in two games for them so far. Signed him like midweek. He he started that week, uh, week four, I believe that was. So um, he's in his third game now with the Buccaneers. Last year with the Niners, he only played in five games. Uh, missed a, most of the season with a calf injury. I don't know if he had that calf injury during games or not, but he gave up four touchdowns in those five in, in those five games. So um, his days, his best days are way behind him. And he's a guy similar to like Josh Norman, 
who was a star at one time in the NFL. You know, Richard Sherman's 33 years old now. I don't think the Eagles did a good enough job attacking Josh Norman yes. in the week two loss to, to the Niners. I think they got to do a better job of attacking Sherman in this game. And uh, this is where like Dallas Goddard would have um, not, not the mm. Sherman part, but like I thought Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz like would have made sense to, you know, have them be a heavy part of this game plan uh, with, you know, David out. And as you mentioned earlier, uh, Antoine Winfield still in the uh, concussion protocol to be determined if he'll play or not, but he's a very good safety for them. So you got like some, some guys missing and potentially missing uh, right down the middle of their defense and uh, I thought this was a game that that maybe Goddard and Ertz could have could be factors, but with Goddard almost certainly going to be out in this game, you know, maybe a little bit of a missed opportunity there. But uh, yeah, it's it's just a real. I mean, obviously they're a good team. They they won the Super Bowl last year, so uh, it's a, it's it's probably the hardest game uh, on their schedule in my opinion this year. Uh, speaking to the Richard Sherman point too, I mean, kind of give you more context of like where he is at in his career and is not the same Richard Sherman of your is that, uh, the 49ers desperately needed cornerback help yes. and he, Richard Sherman obviously played for them and had familiarity with them and they went with Josh Norman yeah. instead. So not the best, uh, endorsement there. Uh, yeah, they absolutely, it's on Hertz, man. This is, this is a chance for Hertz to have like a signature game to kind of shut up the doubters, myself kind of included in there. And like we talked about earlier, how he hasn't beaten that great quarterback yet. I mean, if you could beat the greatest of all time, pretty good thing on your resume. And now I'm not asking him to do this in terms of like, this is a realistic standard. Like this is, this should happen, but. I mean, you have to, if you're going to be like a franchise quarterback, you're going to have to steal some games at some points and you can't just win the ones that you're expected to win. So, uh, and especially because you're at home, uh, this, and you, you advance to three and three with this. This would be a, a incredibly huge win. So it's a lot of pressure on Hertz in a national spotlight. And I think this game is on his shoulders. Mm -hmm. I got nothing else to add. Uh, should we take break number two? Well, we will, but I will mention here that the Bucks released their second injury report today, and it is very fuzzy, the image I'm looking at. Is that just Twitter. up right now? Yeah. So Ryan Jensen, who we mentioned earlier, was upgraded to limited, so okay. potentially he will go. He's dealing with a hip injury. Um, and then I think that was the only change from the Monday injury report. Gronk did not practice again, so probably not going to play. I mean, the, the Bucks probably figured they don't need to rush him, considering it's the Eagles, and they should be able to eat, beat the Eagles without him. I think him. he knows Tom Brady pretty well, too. I think they, yeah. they know each other, and they don't really need much more practice time sure. together. That's a fair point. Um, <laughs> so that's all we have on the Bucks. We'll get into our picks after this break. Before we hit the break, Jimmy, tell me about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. RoachRealtors.com. 856-906-9295. Call or text her or go to RoachRealtors.com. Uh, oh, I love speak that. of the devil. Whoa. <laughs> she is crushing it right now, uh, as a matter of fact. Um, but yeah, she's very good at what she does. Kristen, are you there? <laughs> she left. Uh, yeah, again, 856-906. Uh, uh, uh. Yes, but I'm... I'm not dressed appropriately. Oh, okay. Well, what did uh, she say for the listeners, Jimmy? She, she said she's not dressed appropriately. To, oh, to okay. <laughs> uh, so that only matters to me, obviously, because <laughs> this isn't a visual platform. But uh, good yeah. to know. Anyway, eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five. If you are looking to buy or sell a house, Brandon, back after this. 
Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours. She's the greatest. 856-906-9295. 856-906-9295. We are back here on BGN Radio, the only Eagles podcast in the entire universe. Some would say. Uh, have I ever told you before about that, Jimmy? Where like we used to have this BGN Radio logo that said like BGN Radio, the only Eagles podcast, <laughs> and the NFL actually complained about oh, did that. They really? Yeah. <laughs> because they were like, "You guys can't say you're the only." Like this isn't true, Mike. Yeah. Thank you. Great. <laughs> That's like, hilarious. They call it the No Fun League, Jimmy. Some people do. I am uh, shocked anyway. after all these years that ESPN has never contacted me and been like, yo, you can't use our headshots anymore for your stick figures. <laughs> I never shocked. thought about that. I am shocked that that has not happened in 10 years. Well, now someone's going to hear this and they're <laughs> going to go. Gonna rat, yeah, we're going to rat yeah, me yeah. out. <laughs> uh, so make sure you do that. His uh, Twitter handle is at Jimmy Kemsky. Um, Jimmy. No more dilly-dallying. We have serious business to get down to here on a short week. We have to get to our NFL picks against the spread, is which is our way of previewing a very – it's not just about us. Like So, uh, you know, the loyal listeners, let me explain to you why we do this. It's about previewing the relevant games for this week, in case you didn't know. It's not just about, like, the picks and, like, why do I care about these guys' picks? It's not just about our opinions. It's about the valuable insight we can give you about these games that matter for the Eagles. And obviously, Jimmy, if you want to get in on the action, you personally or the Royal you, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, which is where these lines come from, and use promo code SBNNFL for a special offer. That's a sponsor of the SB Nation NFL show that I mention a lot. So, uh, Jimmy, we have six games to get to this week. Why are you laughing? What's going on? Because Kristen Roach is printing stuff on the printer, and I don't know if you can oh, hear nice. that in the background or not. I can't. It's, it's very distracting to me because I can hear it. So. Oh, that's good. Um, so we have six She's games to get to. in another room printing it to my printer in my office. Anyway. That's good. Uh, Jimmy, you suck at picking games against the spread uh, this year. You are I'm nine terrible and this year. 15 in our picks here on what the podcast. I'm 14 15? and 10. Yep. Okay. And then in our Eagles straight up picks, I got ahead of you because you picked the Panthers to win. I am four and one and you are three and two Eagles straight up. So that's setting the scene. Let's get into the games. Jimmy, the Dolphins are three and a half point favorites at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay, we're both taking the Dolphins next game, right? <laughs> well, we should note that uh, the Eagles, two picks from the Colts and the Dolphins, if, of course, the Colts pick becomes first-round pick. They're fifth and sixth right now in the draft order. Uh, the Eagles are 10th. So, um, I mean, the Eagles stand to have, like, major draft assets that you know unlike we've seen in a long time and how he's <laughs> gonna blow them all <laughs> i don't think they can blow three top 10 picks mm-hmm. uh, but that'd challenge be a challenge accepted. that'd be a challenge for howie uh yeah i'm, I'm with you Dolph- i'll take the dolphins and i'll lay the three and a half uh this jaguars team is inspiring zero confidence i thought maybe there was a chance they'd come out and play well like they'd be like, screw everything that's going on with our team. Nope. We'll win in spite of our head coach. But no is exactly right. That did not happen. And I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. This Dolphins team stinks. But uh, I do think that they're good enough to 
not only beat, but cover the spread against this Jaguars team. There, there's just like no reason to take. There's no like, why are you betting on Urban Meyer? Like, what are you doing? Like, if <laughs> right. if that scenario happens that you describe, I don't think you have to feel bad at yourself for like counting him out. Like, okay, that happened, and there was no way I could have seen that happening. Um, you know, on that same note, by the way, um, the Raiders will be an interesting team to watch this week because we'll see how the you know the team responds on the field to all the, I mean, to John Gruden resigning. In, um, in, disgrace. In, in disgrace this week. So we'll see how they respond on the field to, to all that. And uh, that could sort of be uh, a hint to how they'll come out and play uh, week seven when the Eagles go to Las Vegas, uh, which is the next game on their schedule after the Buccaneers. Raiders play the Broncos in Denver in the late game window this week. So you can keep okay. an eye on that. Uh, yeah, so taking the Dolphins, Tua comes back as well, which I don't know, or potentially doesn't, doesn't is coming matter. back this week. I don't, I don't, think, he's, I don't well, think he's much better than Jacoby Brissett, but probably I think he's upgrade. better probably than Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. Like, the Dolphins have been scored, outscored something like 132 to 61 or something something like that okay. since Jacoby came in. Uh, so not all Jacoby Brissett's fault, but certainly not part of the solution. So we're both taking the Dolphins. Moving on to the other Eagles first-round draft pick, and we just got to see – Indianapolis football Colts that play. Think Carson Wentz played in that game. How do I think he played? Mm-hmm. I think he played well. I think he played well overall, but there were still some <laughs> signs of the old Carson Wentz, including a fumble, which doesn't show up in the pass rating and everything. So, like, you look at four touchdowns, zero interceptions, and everything. But that fumble was pretty costly. Um, I think he was let down, obviously, by the kicking. Which he he had him in position to make you know win the game with a makeable field goal at the end, and then the defense also fell apart. They allowed four touchdowns in their final four drives. So Frank uh, certainly Reich turtled not- up in that game near the end, just mm. running it over and over again, trying to bleed clock instead of getting first downs and bleeding more clock. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I'm with you. I, I thought he got let down in that game. This was a legit, not his fault game. Um, but a perfect result, Jimmy. I, I wrote in my, <laughs> yes. you know, we both do the rooting uh, guide column each week. And I wrote before the game, like, the perfect scenario in this game is the Carson Wentz, or it's Carson Wentz plays 100% of the snaps, which he did, played 69, yep. nice. And he plays well, and the Colts lose in a close game. That's right. the perfect result. Because right. now the Colts are going to keep playing him because they're like, oh, he played well. We got to keep playing him. We got to see what we have. He's our guy. We almost beat a Super Bowl contender on the road, if not for our kicker not being healthy, yep. is what they're going to be thinking. Yep. And like, so there's some people out there, Jimmy, I talked about this with RJ on the mixtape, which I keep saying, but you know, it's a short week. So I'm going to say some of the similar stuff, especially because I'm recording these in the span of like a couple hours from each other. But I'm not worried about the Colts benching Carson Wentz, I, at least not yet. Like, I know the Colts are one and four, but they get some winnable games coming up. They get yeah. like the Jags and the Jets and the Texans. Like they're going to win some of these Titans games. schedule is hard, by the way. Conversely. And that's the other thing I was going to get to. Yeah. The Titans oh, have like the Rams and the, and the, like there's, there's tougher games and the Chiefs and the, uh, the Bills, I know Bills this weekend. Mm-hmm. So like the, the Colts to me, the way I'm envisioning this, they're going to stay alive in the AFC South. They're not going to be at a point where they're totally out of it and they're just going to bench Carson Wentz. And also, I don't think benching Carson Wentz is this easy thing to do. It's not like Madden. You're just pulling a player out. Like if you're benching Carson Wentz, he's not going to be very happy about that. So I, I just don't think it's and this the, easy. The, pl- the other players on the team aren't either. Yeah. So like if 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 they're three and ten and you know you're heading into week fourteen or whatever and the Titans are I don't know, call it like eight and five 
Okay, mm-hmm. you're done. Like your season, right. you're not going to win that division. At that point, you don't really care what the what Carson Wentz or the rest of the team thinks about you pulling him just to get you know the, just just to get you know the the eighth overall pick as opposed to mm-hmm. the the 40th overall pick. Like you're gonna you're gonna pull them, but as you noted, like they're not going to be that far behind this Titans team at that point in the season. So I'm with you. I think actually, like before the season began, I thought the likelihood that that second round pick was going to convert to a first round pick was not highly likely. Now I think it's highly likely that it will. Assuming he stays healthy. Yeah, yep. of course. I think that's, of course. I think, yeah. I think it is. I think, I, I just think the Colts are going to be, they're not, that division so bad. Like the Jags and Texans aren't going, oh, they're, yeah, not they're irrelevant. Doing like, they're not even part of the conversation. And the Titans aren't good. Like, like the, I think the Colts are going to be in it until the very they end. They the Jets. Not, <laughs> yeah. And the, and the Colts might even win the division just because, again, I don't think the Colts or the Titans are great. I think the Titans will. That's my prediction. But, like, it's not impossible that the Colts could win that division. And even if they do, like, they're probably not going to win a playoff game to me. So it wouldn't be, like, the worst. It wouldn't be great. It wouldn't be optimal. But you're getting that pick, what, like, maybe 18, 19, 20? I think the, so, the lowest playoff team uh, is 19. 19 now. Yeah, because yeah. uh, Washington had the 19th pick. Right. So uh, who do you have in this game? Because we didn't talk about the game at all. The Texans uh, are at the Colts, and the Colts are nine and a half points. It's a big number. Um, Short week for the Colts, too, coming off Monday Night Football. Davis Mills balled out against the Patriots. Uh, They had some weird uh, special teams things go the you know not their way, or else they would have beaten the Patriots. A lot of people would have gotten knocked out of survivor pools uh, on if if that result had gone differently. But that Texans team's really bad. Yeah. But you know what? I'll take the nine and a half. I'll, okay. They're not they're not that much worse than the Colts. The Colts shouldn't be favored by ten points over anyone, in my opinion. Uh I kind of agree in a vacuum, but I think the Texans have the potential to be really bad. And even though Davis Mills had a good game, he could easily have a bad one right around the corner. And I think the Colts showed some something on Monday night, and maybe they can build on that. And it's kind of like, hey, we're angry. We want this win. We're at home. So I will actually take the Colts in this one. Moving on to the Rams, who are 10 and a half point at the New York football Giants. The the Giants, who are one and four and incredibly banged up. Did you see Kadarius Tony in that game, Jimmy, at all by the chance? The fight or just him like playing Like how well. he played. I did not see the highlights from him yet. No, all I saw was the fight. You look pretty good. Honestly, maybe this is a crazy take. But you remind me of OBJ out there. Like he like some of the catches you're making like really tough. And then even the fighting, honestly, is like OBJ too. <laughs> so the personality thing. So uh so there you go. Yeah, the, the only that's really the only uh thing that they you know, Giants fans can be fired up about with that team. Um Daniel Jones took a big hit near the near the goal line and he was very woozy, could barely walk. Uh had like uh, players on the other team were like rushing over to like catch him in case he was going to fall. Um, so that's not great. Saquon Barkley. Um, I guess the news on his injury was uh, about as good as they could have hoped for, but he had a, a swollen ankle. Like it looked like a tennis ball. Um, you know, when they, they, somebody took a picture of his ankle like during the game or whatever. So that's not great. Kenny Galladay's banged up. Their offensive line has injuries. Uh, they're, they're just a team that's, I mean, they were already kind of a disaster, but now like they're also like a, a super banged up disaster. This Rams team's been kind of weird um, in that here's how I'll put like Matthew Stafford and the way that he played on Thursday night against the Seahawks. Like, I didn't think he was that good. I thought he made some really bad throws in that game. And uh, if that were a game where he was still on the Lions, like they lose 
comfortably is the wrong way to put it, but they, they lose handily uh, in if, if he's still on that Lions roster. But he doesn't have to be perfect anymore. And because that, that Rams roster around him is so good, I think they're – uh, you know, their set of receivers is very underrated. I think Cooper Cup is really good. I think Robert Woods is actually really, really good. And, uh, you know, they don't have a running back, but um, they, you know, they have a good offensive line. They have those weapons in the passing game. They have the best defensive player in the NFL and they have the best cornerback in the NFL. And, um, you know, they're going to be well positioned, in my opinion, in the playoffs to have a better chance of handling these high powered offenses. But for now, they're just kind of going to roll throughout the regular season. Uh, I think they're going to win this game. I think they're going to win it easily. But I don't know about that 10.5 number. I think the Giants are going to keep it close enough, despite how banged up they are. Um, and uh, I, I will take the Giants to cover this number, uh, but obviously lose. I can't put any faith in the Giants. They're really bad. <laughs> They're banged up too. And in like fairness to them, they just have so many injuries. Daniel Jones obviously got the way he looked uh, after he took that big hit, and he was like like wobbling around was so like ugh, like did, you, don't, you really don't do not yeah don't love to see that. Um, I mean, I might be hitching my wagon to Mike Glennon here, which uh, I may be regretting. Yeah. So the next time and also. I know it's a 1 p.m. start with the West Coast team, you know, for the rant, but like they just played on Thursday night football last week, so they have this extra That's rest. Overrated, too, a in mini, my opinion. Yeah. It's a mini buy for, uh, I don't think it's, I don't think, I think in a, in a matchup that's close, it could matter. You know, like where two teams are might be even or something mm-hmm. like that, it might be a little bit more relevant. But when, you know, one team is just clearly better. And again, they're coming off extra rest, like because yeah. they played on Thursday night football. I will take the Rams to cover that. Moving on to the Chiefs who are six and a half point favorites at the Washington football team, who if there's any team that has a worse defense in terms of points allowed, it's the chiefs. Yes. Washington <laughs> football team is second. Uh, I'm going to take, I'm going to go first on this one. I will take the chiefs to cover. I know they lost on Sunday night football. I know their defense is terrible, but the Washington defense football te- defense is also really bad. And are we really b- betting on Taylor Henneke? To outplay Patrick Mahomes? I don't think so. I think the Chiefs, for all their flaws, will be able to win this game and cover the six and a half. So I look at this game the same way I looked at the Chiefs-Eagles game, where the Chiefs were one and two heading into Philadelphia and backs against the wall, sort of. Like, I don't know if you can say that after three games, but they needed a win in Philly and they came out and they got it. And I think this is a similar situation where they're now two and three. And uh, you have some teams in their own division that are playing really well, notably the the the, the Chargers, who also happen to have a head-to-head win uh, over the Chiefs, and they're playing really well. Uh, you have a lot of other teams in the AFC um, that are, you know, they're racking up wins. And now everyone's talking about how the balance of power in the AFC has shifted from the Chiefs to the Buffalo Bills. They're going to be reading about that all week. I think they go into Washington, or excuse me, Landover, Maryland, and I think they destroy wow. Washington. So I will take the Chiefs. I will lay that six and a half points all day. That that line looks that line almost looks like suspicious to me. That it's only six and a half. It's like okay, what am I missing here? Is this a trap? I will gladly uh, walk into that trap and I will lay the six and a half. Speaking of traps, maybe a little bit of a trap game for the Cowboys going up against the Patriots in New England. Mm. Cowboys are four-point favorites. On reputation, I I don't think it's a trap game. On the Patriots' reputation, Bill Belichick, the whole thing. I don't think that's an opponent. For as bad as I think they are, I don't think that's a good team at all. I don't think that's an opponent that you sleep on. So I think this is a Cowboys 
like you have to bet on the Cowboys here. The Patriots, there's six teams in the NFL that have scored fewer points than the Patriots. Like they're mm-hmm. just not really producing offense. And Z, guess who could have or who could have guessed that basing an offense out of twelve personnel with Hunter Henry and <laughs> Johnny, Johnny Smith. Smith wouldn't be this revolutionary <laughs> thing. And it'd actually be instead not to say that that's the only reason. Obviously, Matt Jones is a rookie quarterback and everything, but like I don't know, man. I I kind of say it in jest that like. Bill Belichick actually wasn't that great, and Tom Brady made him. <laughs> but I really like. Oh, there's, there's a part of me there's that does truth believe to that. that. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, Brady is special. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm going to take the Cowboys here. I'm basically going all favorites this week. Spoiler alert to my Eagles pick. And I just, I don't. Why are you going to take the Patriots? What makes you feel good about them? They had some answers against the the Bucks, I guess, but that was in the rain, and you know it was Brady coming back to Foxborough, so there was this like you know very emotional element and weird element hanging over everything. Um, Cowboys are rolling right now. It doesn't look like anyone can stop them, and I just don't see how the Patriots' offense tests the Cowboys' defense at all. One of the surprises of the season has been how the Cowboys' defense has played. Like on paper, heading into the season, I thought they were not good at all, and they've been playing even without their best defensive player in Demarcus Lawrence, and they're still playing really well. So. Um, we already know bad quarterbacks, but yeah, yeah, true. But we already know what their offense can do and they've done it. Like they've, they've been lighting teams up. They almost had three straight 40 burgers. Uh, they scored over 40 against the Eagles. Of course, they scored 40 this last week against, uh, giants and the week, uh, in between where they play again, they play in that who the Cowboys in between the, the Eagles a couple weeks ago and the giants this past week, Panthers, Panthers, right. They put up 36, on the Panthers. So they almost had three straight 40 burgers defense playing. Well, um, again, this line looks like another steal. <laughs> like I'll gladly lay four points, uh, with the Cowboys against the Patriots team that I think is only getting some respect because of their reputation and not because of anything that they've showed actually on the field so far this year. How much really going to run away with the, Oh yeah, East. they are. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it kind of feels like it's already insurmountable to me at least. And I was just talking about this on the next tape with RJ, like, I mean, I think all those games at the end of the schedule, it's just going to be stupid because they're, you know, all those NFC East games, like scrunched up at the end. Like, I just, it feels like a lot of them aren't going to mean anything because Washington's going to be really bad. Their schedule is tough. Uh, the Giants, I don't think you're turning things around anytime soon. The Eagles, you know, might be able to hang around enough to kind of not actually like, compete for the division, but maybe they're like a long shot wild card team by the end of the year or something like that. And the games kind of matter for them, but like in the, in the scope of the division, I just don't think those games are going to matter to like other division fans. So kind of a weird way to schedule it. Uh, when you look at the conference, talk- by the way, there's like a huge gap between. So there's like the five teams at the top, which are uh, the Cardinals uh, and, and the Rams in the NFC West. And then uh, one team in each of the other three divisions, the Buccaneers, uh, in the NFC South, the Packers in the NFC North, and the Cowboys in the uh, NFC East. I think those three divisions, all three of those teams are just going to run away with their division. Um, and then it'll be more of a contest between the the Rams and the Cardinals in the NFC West. But those five teams like are in one tier, and then it's everybody else. And I don't think any of those other 11 teams in the NFC are anywhere near those top five teams. Taking this a step further, Jimmy, I did my NFL power rankings, so we talk about this on the SB Nation NFL Show's off-day debrief, a.k.a. the podcast each week. I have nine teams that I feel like can win the Super Bowl, and everyone else is behind them. Okay. Oh, the, f- uh, the five teams that I mentioned in the NFC? So I'll, I'll read all nine for you. Okay. Um, so this is this is my top ten of the power rankings. Okay. I'll, I'll read the top ten because I have the Bills. Yep. Cardinals. Yep. Rams. Okay. Chargers. Bucks. 
Browns, Ravens, Packers, Cowboys, and then I have the Chiefs at tenth. Okay. Um, yeah, I think the Chiefs are in that mix too. They could they they could be the team that sort of figures it out as they go along. Could be, although they're not going to get the one seed. Which right is now, big, they don't look good. <laughs> but and also not getting the one seed, I think, is a big deal for them because we all know how good Andy is off the bye. And then, um, but yeah, I think those are the only ten teams that can win a Super Bowl. I don't think any other team is competing after that. Um, so I would agree with that. Uh, so there you have it. Um, Eagles don't have a chance, <laughs> Jimmy. Let's get to the Eagles. They are six and a half point underdogs. This, this line opened at seven. Bucks mm-hmm. favored by seven, but it's since swung down to six and a half point favorites for the Bucks. I just don't see the Eagles winning this game. I don't. I think we've seen how bad the defense has been against better quarterbacks, and maybe Gannon will have a better plan in this one. Maybe he'll adjust, but until we see that happen, I'm just not going to count on that. Uh, it's really easy to kind of distance yourself, I feel like, maybe from – those past two ugly games, just because the win over the Panthers feels good and you're trying to feel optimistic mm-hmm. about it, but I just I don't think the Eagles deserve that benefit of the doubt right now. And offensively, I just haven't seen enough from both Sirianni and Hertz to make me feel like confident that they can hang with the the and it's not even just about them, but then the talent too, disparity that there is from the Bucks and the Eagles. So I am going to take the Bucks to win this game by at least ten points. I'm just gonna say thirty three to 23. Yeah, it's not only that they didn't look good against the Cowboys and the Chiefs, just those two teams, it looks so easy for them mm-hmm. to just move the ball on this Eagles defense. So, um, you know, I, I expect them to play better in this game than they did in, in you know, in Dallas and against the Chiefs here at home. Uh, but I don't think it's going to matter that much because, like, this Buccaneers offense is just so good um, from the offensive line the receivers that we mentioned earlier and oh by the way a Tom Brady so um I think the analysis just begins and ends right there for me uh the other side of the ball um you know maybe they'll get some things done against this Buccaneers defense but ultimately um they are fighting a uh losing battle trying to you know match points with uh this Buccaneers offense it's on you, Jalen Hurts. No pressure, but I think the <laughs> game is on you, buddy. I think you have to step up and deliver in a really, really big way in a big spot. Um, Jimmy, any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, we should. Uh, hmm. I'll ask you actually a question. Yeah. Uh, food over the last week. Yeah, I know. I was, I was waiting for you to bring this up. Anything good? Uh, so I want to get. I, I had a place in mind that I wanted to give a shout out to. So there's this place to me in Philly on South Street and like uh fifth 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 and south called Spread Bagelry. They have multiple locations. Okay. But this one specifically so the daytime bagel shop, nighttime, I guess they use some of that bagel dough or whatever, I don't know the setup, to make pizza. It's called Cosette and it's pretty good. And people should check it out. It's like a little pop-up kind of they brand themselves as. It's actually it's in the bagel place still. Like they don't have signage for the pizza place, so you kind of have to kind of just know about it. But it's really okay. good. It's good pizza. Check it out, Cosette in Philly. It's like a speakeasy for uh, bagel places. Uh, I guess something like that, maybe. <laughs> uh, and I think they're only open like Thursdays through Sundays, so they're not open every night of the week. But uh, definitely go check them out. They're on Slice if you want to, you know, get delivery or whatever. Um, so they're good. You know what, what about I ate yesterday? Uh, I had Domino's yesterday. Wow. Um, there's one thing that Domino's has that it's just awesome. It's like, and I wouldn't even call it a pizza necessarily. It's more like a snack to me, but their thin mm. crust pizza 
it's f- like phenomenal. And what do you I, get on it? Nothing. So you just get nothing. It's plain cheese and like you, you sauce. Off. Yeah, sauce of course, sauce, okay. cheese, and it's a thin crust. And like you, you can eat the, like you just get a medium. You can eat the whole thing in like five minutes. <laughs> like, but it's it's so good. Uh, but uh, if I'm going to give a shout out in uh, my neighborhood here, my town of Marlton, New Jersey, uh, I would say the most reliably good pizza here is Organico. And I would say mm. that the uh, the grandma pie is the way to go there. I'm not normally a huge, uh, you know, thick crust uh, square pizza guy, but there um, the ingredients are really good. And I would say if you're going to uh, take my advice and order from Organico, uh, go with the grandma pie. There are some places that do like a grandma pie, like really good. It's like their thing. Like their regular pizza is just like average, like right. nothing special. But then they do like the grandma pie and it's like really, they nail it. They crush it. Like that's their thing. So uh, you don't always know that. I feel like you kind of have to, you know, find that out somehow. But uh, but yeah, um, so that was good. Hashtag BGN good eats if you want to get in on the food conversation. No one did last week. I'm not upset about it at all. I'm always looking for recommendations crying. myself. So if, if anyone yes. has recommendations, send them, send them along. Jimmy, the podcast and Bleeding Green Nation as a whole is a community. This is about interacting with the people. So we, right. we definitely want to hear from you all. As oh, and by the way, we'll of interaction. get to your questions. Yeah. Yes. Okay. You're, exactly. You're gonna get, all right. Go ahead. I'll let you do No, it. just what you were going to say there. Yeah, we'll get to your questions uh, later this week slash early next week when we have kind of more time. Because uh, we're on the short week crunch right now. We, we know we owe you those because we are legally obligated to do it. It's not even a choice for us. We have to do it. So we're looking forward to doing that in the near future. Um we have a game Thursday night, so stay tuned for BGN Radio's post-game coverage, which you can find here by subscribing, rating, downloading, reviewing, all those good things. Check out BleedingGreenNation.com for my coverage, PhillyVoice.com for Jimmy's coverage. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon Yountain, Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky, BGN underscore radio on Twitter is the place you can find the podcast on Twitter at Bleeding Green for BleedingGreenNation.com uh, Twitter account. Uh BucksNation.com if you're looking for the Buccaneers side of things this week and their coverage. I think that just about does it, Jimmy, except for Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, which is the sponsor of one of our two sponsors on this podcast. Go to RighteousFelon.com, discount code BGN, or yes, discount code BGN15 at RighteousFelon.com. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, you can go to that website or call her at 856-906-9295. Jimmy, That does it. We'll be back with you here later. Goodbye, everybody. P-G-N. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. 
It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.